We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, my topic is very simple. The definition of words again, and why definition matters, and why we must have an objective standard, a measuring rod outside of those things being measured, or we can do no measuring, and why we can't communicate sanely and accurately without such definitions and why Jesus himself is called the ultimate word, made flesh and dwelling among us. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening to the show. So, if you were listening in last week, you know that the last installment of The Rebellion, last Friday, the topic was the definition of words. And I shared with you the scenario that I had recently been involved in an interview And I was asked a very simple and basic question. The interviewer asked me, can you tell me what you believe to be wrong with the world? What is the one thing that you would cite if I were to ask you the question, what's wrong with the world? And as I shared with you last week, you could could answer with a thousand different things probably. The sexual nihilism of LGBTQIA, the neo-Marxism of Black Lives Matter, and their overt declaration that they want to queer the nuclear family, the racial conflict of critical race theory rather than the racial reconciliation, the argument that we're supposed to judge people by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character, the selfishness and the navel-gazing of social and emotional learning. I could go on and on and on just rattling off the alphabet soup lunacy of our time, the LGBTQIA, SJW, CRT, BLM, SEL nonsense that we're confronted with on a daily basis, down to the point where women don't even exist any longer as biological facts. The the craziness of claiming to be a feminist while you deny the female as even being real. I could add to this the science-denying science of the COVID religion the hysteria, or include in that mix the science-denying reality of global warming, climate change, ignoring the data, manipulating the data, scaring people to death by these false narratives. We could go on and on. What would you say if you were asked, what's wrong with the world? Well, in spite of all of these things, and I'm not arguing that any of them are right, all of these scenarios that I've just rattled off are wrong And they do represent what's wrong with the world. But what's driving all of this? I argued last week, and I'm going to do so again today, that what is driving this lunacy actually goes back to Justice Kennedy's crazy statement where he said this in 1992. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and the mystery of human life. And I've argued before that that's one of the most absurd, vacuous statements to ever be uttered by a Supreme Court justice in the United States of America. Ever, ever, ever. This is just a nutty statement. 
But yet this is emblematic of what's going on in our culture right now. We all believe, we all believe that at the heart of our liberty, at the heart of our human identity is the right to define our own concept of existence, of meaning, and of the universe, and the mystery of human life. It's what Carl F. Truman calls the rise and triumph of the modern self. We are all self-referential now. We all measure ourselves by ourselves. The measuring rod is not outside of us. The measuring rod is now within us. It's as if there's no objective scale. There's no objective standard. There's no ruler or yardstick. There's no measuring rod outside of those things being measured so that we can measure morality. We can measure what a woman is or isn't. We can measure what a child is and what an adult is. We can't measure anything any longer. Everything is internal. Everything is subjective. There is no measuring rod outside of ourselves any longer. We are that ultimate standard unto ourselves. We've placed our thumb on the scale. Lady Justice is no longer blind. We've, we've lifted the blindfold, and yet we argue for justice, recognizing that we define everything that's just and unjust. There is no ultimate standard. God's standard of justice no longer matters. Social justice is defined by society. Biblical justice is defined by the Bible, but we don't care about that objective standard, that biblical standard any longer. We don't care about natural law and law that's natural. We don't care about common sense and sense that's common. The only thing that matters now is ourselves, self-actualization, affirmation, tolerance of ourselves, it's the rise and triumph of the modern self. Again, Carl F. Truman talks about this, one of the most important books of our time. You need to go get that. The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by Carl F. Truman. If you want a shorter version of it, he actually gave us a, a, a more reader-friendly version called The Strange New World, How Thinkers and Activists Redefined Identity and Sparked the Sexual Revolution. Carl Truman. I think I said Carl F. Truman. That's wrong. It's Carl R. Truman. Carl R. Truman, A Strange New World, How Thinkers and Activists Redefined Identity and Sparked the Sexual Revolution. This is a summary of the rise and triumph of the modern self. This is the rebuttal to Justice Anthony Kennedy's statement where he said, at the heart of liberty is the right to define our own concept of existence and of meaning, and of the universe. No, you don't have the right to redefine things. Words matter. Definitions matter. And there's a reason that Jesus is defined as the Word made flesh and dwelling among us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Words matter. The ultimate Word, with a capital W, matters. There's a reason that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He defines himself as an alphabet. He spells out reality in an objective way. It doesn't matter what you think or how you, how you feel about things. The facts of God's creation and God's revelation in our lives matter. You don't have the right to tear it down, dumb it down, and redefine it to your own liking. Your own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and the mystery of human life doesn't matter if it's in conflict to God's objective definitions of all those things. But in our culture today, we've torn this common sense down. 
We've torn down the objective pursuit of truth that the ivory tower used to stand for. The ivory tower no longer stands for Jesus' declaration that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. No, the ivory tower has crumbled. It's now the Tower of Babel because it doesn't matter any longer what the objective definition of the alphabet is, the alpha and the omega. It doesn't matter what the objective definition of a word is any longer. There is no truth with a capital T. You're just going to make it up as you go along to the point where if you feel like women aren't real, then they're not. If you feel like you're a dog, I guess you are. If you feel like a dog is a horse and a fish is a cat, then I guess it is. That's where we are in our culture right now. And I even have a guy on Facebook essentially telling me that. And he fancies himself your intellectual superior and mine. That's today's show. So stick with me. After the break, I'm going to review some of my comments from last week again, and then I'm going to share with you why this is dangerous and why it's the biggest problem confronting Western civilization right now, the United States of America, and your own family, and your own church, your community, and your culture. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, so welcome back to the Rebellion. Again, just to repeat, last Friday I mentioned to you that I was asked a question in an interview. The question was very simple. What's wrong with the world? The interviewer obviously wanted me to identify the one key thing that I thought was all screwed up, the one thing that's a mess, that's causing all other things. Well, you could, you could answer a variety of different ways. But as I've thought about it more and more, I, I'm suggesting that here it is. Here's the one thing that's wrong. It's, it's not overbearing government. It's not Big Brother. It's not education, energy policy. It's not the economy. It's not socialism, communism. It's not racial animus. It's not nuclear proliferation. It's not war. All of those things are bad. I agree. But what is causing all of those things? These are all cultural pathologies that are obvious. All of these things are ideological carcinogens 
that are causing our country and our culture and even our churches to have some sort of social cancer. Oh, I agree with that. But are they the ultimate cause of all that ails us? I don't think so. I think the answer to the question as to what's wrong with the world, I think it's very simple. I think everyone has decided that we are dictionaries unto ourselves. We all think we're Webster. We all think we can write our own dictionaries and we can do what Justice Anthony Kinney told us to do. And that is defined for what? Ourselves, the ultimate meaning of everything. We think we're Webster. We think we are dictionaries unto ourselves. And this loss of objectivity and the consequent millions of different answers to the question of to what the definition of is is, is the poster child of everything that's wrong with the world, of everything that ails us. Now, why do I say that? Well, I explained it last week. One of the self-evident realities of being a human being is that words mean something. We all know the rules of language have been set. If we are to communicate sanely with one another, a pony can't be a fish and a fish can't be a chicken. The definition of words must be objective, predictable, and enduring. And frankly, if this isn't so, if what I just said isn't self-evident, you couldn't read a paragraph out of a book and you couldn't listen to anything I'm saying right now with any hope of understanding it or refuting it. You have to agree that definition matters. Even if you want to say that definition doesn't matter, you can't do so without using words that have definitions. Do you understand what I'm saying right now? You saw off the branch upon which you sit when you start claiming that there is no branch and there is no definition of a saw. You can't argue with me. You can't disagree with me. You can't refute me. There is no rebuttal if you can't use words with accurate definitions, to do so. The very nature of speaking and reading and writing assumes some sort of definitional clarity. And if there is none, everyday communication would become as impossible as trying to play football without a field or a ball. When it comes to a dictionary, facts matter and your feelings don't. You can't just decide to start redefining everything. You might feel like dogs or quarter horses. I said this last week, but they aren't. You might feel like your Labrador retriever can lay eggs, but she won't. You might feel like water is dry, but it's not. You might feel like a fire won't burn you, but it will. These are all examples, and you could rattle off hundreds if you just stop to think about it. They're all basic truisms. Our feelings don't change the facts of what truly is. I'm going back to that word again, because I think where a lot of this started was not just with Justice Kennedy, but with President Clinton, when he dumbed down the definition of is. You remember his statement. Well, it depends on what the definition of is is. And with that crazy statement, he justified his lying and his deception, his perjury, when under oath. And as a culture, we didn't bat an eye. We bought that nonsense. It actually made sense to us. Why? Because we were two or three decades into the rise and triumph of the modern self. The the elevation of your feelings over the facts when it comes to definitions. That if you feel like reversing everything and making birds fish and fish dogs and dogs pigs and 
pigs, horses, when you feel like redefining everything, you just can. And nobody's going to question you because, well, it all depends on what the definition of is is. So we can blame our country's cultural collapse on a lot of things, but I'm going to argue that foremost among them is our disrespect for the meaning of words. Many, many of the terms we use on a daily basis now deceive more than they clarify. Liberals argue for less liberty rather than more. Love is now synonymous with sex, and sex is synonymous with love. Men are women, and women are men. Feminists now deny that the female is even a fact. And champions of tolerance are intolerant of those they deem intolerable. You get my point? Proponents of inclusion now exclude everyone they don't want to include. Virtue is now vice, and vice is now virtue. Good is evil, and evil is good. Bitter is sweet, and sweet is bitter. Science is sacrificed on the altar of scientism. Basic biology is denied by those who claim to be pro-science. Pluralism now demands that plural pronouns be used for the singular. (laughs) It's just nuts. His now means her, and her means him. Anti-racists are now proudly teaching our students to be racists, judging people by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character, elevating color over color blindness. And if you claim to be colorblind, you are now too fixated on color. The world is literally upside down right now because of the rise and triumph of the modern self, because we all drank the Kool-Aid of Justice Kennedy's admonition that you can define everything to your own liking. We have truly reached a point in our culture where red is now a number and two plus two equals green. It all started with the little things, like the meaning of everyday words. And our our culture's departure from objective definitions, from a measuring rod outside of those things being measured, again, that's C.S. Lewis, the fact that we've chucked that measuring rod, we no longer have a yardstick, a ruler, a tape measure, a scale. There's nothing outside of ourselves any longer. And the fact that we've done away with all of those objective measurements has blinded us. It's blinded us as a people from any hope of seeing reality for what it indeed is. And instead, we've placed ourselves in a matrix, if you will, ruled and dominated by whatever our feelings demand on any given day. If Christ's parable of building on sand or rock tells us anything, it tells us that foundations matter. Definitions make a difference. A stable foundation holds true. Shifting sands crumble. Jesus was very clear here. Our lives must be built on the solid rock of enduring definitions. Or as Chesterton once put it, the point of opening your mind is akin to that of opening your mouth. And the point is to close it on something solid. That's Chesterton. So, Using Christ's parable again here, a culture of shifting sand and fairy tale definitions is going to collapse. It's going to fail. Words have definitions. Meanings aren't changed just because you and I feel like it. You're not Webster, and neither am I. The Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland said this 
If I had a world of my own, everything would be nonsense. Nothing would be what it is because everything would be what it isn't. And contrary-wise, what is, well, it wouldn't be. That's the Mad Hatter. That's the craziness. That's the lunacy. That's the insanity of living in a world where you're delusional. If I had a world of my own, everything would be nonsense. Nothing would be what it is because everything would be what it isn't. And contrary-wise, what is, it wouldn't be. Close quote, The Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland. So what's wrong with the world? We think we're Webster. You think you're Webster. I think we're Webster. It's the rise and triumph of the modern self. It's the original sin, where we all listen to Satan and his temptation. When he whispers in our ear, Well, did God really say not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? I'm not sure he said that, but if he did, there's a reason for it, because God knows that when you do eat of the fruit of that tree, that you will know what's good and what's evil. You won't need God's objective definitions of bitter and sweet, sweet and bitter, men and women, women and men, good and evil and evil and good. You won't need God to give you those definitions any longer because you're Webster. You're the dictionary. You can define all of those things because at the heart At the heart of liberty is the right to define your own concept of existence, your own meaning, your own definition of the universe and the mystery of human life. You will be the judge. There's no objective definition of anything, and that is an objective truth. Nothing is true, and that's true. You can be sure that nothing is sure. You can be absolutely confident there are no absolutes. You can know that nothing can be known. You can be as God, because there is no God. This is the original sin, and the redefinition, the arrogance, the hubris that leads us to think that we can define everything as we feel it should be, rather than look at everything as an objective fact, is the ultimate fall of man and the ultimate fall of every culture. Now, in the few minutes I have left in the show, I want to highlight a response I received to my column in the Washington Times when I said essentially the exact same thing I'm saying on this show. I wrote an article and I said in my weekly column for the Washington Times that you're not Webster and you don't have the right to redefine everything in your own image. That's the problem with the world right now. That's what's wrong with the world. Well, a guy who fancies himself to be the intellectual superior of everybody, I think, his name is Harry Harrington, responded to that column, and here's what he said. I want you to listen to it, and I want you to listen very carefully and try to pick out the flaws, try to identify the things that are wrong in his rebuttal to my commentary. Here's what he said. I'm not sure what Piper studied in graduate school, but clearly it had nothing to do with how words mean. That's his language. I'm quoting him. Piper needs to step back and read some of I.A. Richards, or better still, Wittgenstein, because he taught that words mean according to their use. Now stop right there. 
Do you understand how he's butchering the sentence construct already? And he's doing it on purpose. He said it had nothing to do. Piper clearly didn't study anything in graduate school that had anything to do with how words mean. Now, why did he phrase it that way? He didn't want to say with how words are used, which would be much clearer and a better way to communicate. It would be a better sentence. It would be more clearly constructed. He said, have to do with how words mean. Piper needs to step back and read some. And he needs to read some of the scholars who have taught that words meaning according to their use. Words are not proper nouns. There is no platonic theory of the forms in which individual words have a proper or correct meaning. Now, I want to stop right there. I'm going to finish what he says, but I want you to start focusing on the objective declarations he's making while he's refuting my contention that there should be an objective declaration and objective meaning of words. He's saying, well, there can't be, but yet he's using very objective and declarative forms of language to say there is no such thing as objective and declarative communication. Do you get what he's doing right now? He says stuff like, Piper's education has nothing to do with how words are used. He then goes on and says, Wittgenstein taught that words mean something, but then he declares that Wittgenstein is saying that words mean nothing. He then says, words are not proper pronouns. Well, that's a very declarative statement in itself, too. When you say stuff like, this has nothing to do with what words mean, and that Wittgenstein taught that words don't mean what we think they mean, or that words are not proper pronouns. These are all very bold and declarative statements in an effort to claim that nothing is declarative. Am I making sense right now? I hope I am. I want to go on and read more from Harry Harrington. He says this, if one looks at the Oxford English Dictionary, you can see that the dictionary arrives at meaning by looking at how words are used. There are no objective definitions, says Harry. And then he concludes, and I want you to hear this. Just just pause right now. I want you to hear what my opponent is saying in his rebuttal. He said, there is a truth, but it is not tied at all to objective meaning. Objective meaning does not exist. Anyone who has passed high school AP English in the last 20 years can see the idiocy of Piper's column. Now, stop. Stop right there. Don't get angry. Don't react. I just want you to think about what this man just said. There is a truth, but it is not tied at all to objective meaning. And he just said objective meanings do not exist. And then he says, anyone who has passed high school AP English in the last 20 years can see the idiocy of Piper's column. Now, how can you argue that there is no objective meaning without the assumption that your statement, there is no objective meaning, is an objective fact? How can you argue that there is no truth without the assumption that what you just said is true? You're basically saying it's true that nothing is true. You're essentially arguing that you know nothing can be known, that it's an objective fact that there are no objective facts. That's what he's doing right now. That is his mode of argument. 
That's his worldview. He's saying objective meaning does not exist. That's his quote. Now, here's the key. He says anyone who has passed high school AP English in the last 20 years can see the idiocy of Piper's column. There you go. Ideas have consequences. Education matters. What's taught in the classroom is going to be practiced in our culture. There's no such thing as a neutral idea. And this is where I agree with Harry. For the last 20 years, we've been teaching this garbage in our schools. I agree. I agree with him that anyone who has passed AP English in the last 20 years, the last two decades, is probably going to embrace Harry's worldview. Anyone that's been taught in our public schools for the last couple decades probably thinks that Justice Kennedy's admonition to redefine everything in our own image rather than accept the objective facts before us is the way we should be thinking, and that is the ultimate goal in a free society. That's the ultimate definition of justice. What's wrong with the world? Well, it's pretty clear in my book. Everything that's wrong with the world is that we've been drinking this Kool-Aid. We bought the lie. I've told you before that M. Scott Peck calls it the diabolical human mind. Graham Walker called it the pathology of the intellect. And the Apostle Paul warned us about it in his epistle to the Romans, where he told us that when we start worshiping ourselves rather than God, we're given over to what? A reprobate mind. And last week I quoted Augustine, where he called all of this nonsense the fantastica fornicatio, the prostitution of the mind. What's wrong with the world? Well, it's the intellectual pornography. It's this pedagogical poison. What's wrong with the world? Well, it's what C.S. Lewis calls the sin that leads to all others, a sin that probably ranks first precisely because it opens the door to all other capital sins. It's pride. It's the complete anti-God state of mind. It's the declaration that you are the Word made flesh and dwelling among us, and you are the Alpha and Omega. It's the declaration that you are God, and God is not. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.